Welcome into Rinse and Repeat History. It's the podcast where we look at the parts of history that repeat themselves or rhyme and see what lessons we can take from them. After all, if you don't learn from the mistakes of history, you're bound to repeat them. I am your host, Palmer Ferguson. Let's get started. The first season of Rinse and Repeat History is called The Pale Riders. We're going to be focusing on global pandemics throughout history that have altered the course of time. We're going to be speaking to experts on those global pandemics each episode as we discuss. The first season focuses on global pandemics because we are living through one currently, the coronavirus. At this moment, the coronavirus has touched every corner of the earth, with over 400,000 cases confirmed worldwide and about 20,000 confirmed deaths. The first episode of The Pale Riders is going to focus on the Justinianic Plague with expert Lee Mordecai. Lee has written many papers on the Justinianic Plague, some titled The Justinianic Plague, an Inconsequential Pandemic, and Rejecting Catastrophe, The Case of the Justinianic Plague, which you'll hear us talk about during the show. He's a very smart guy, he's a great expert on the Justinianic Plague, and he has a lot to say. He has a very interesting point of view on the Plague of Justinian that some might deem controversial. And let's jump in. All right, Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. It's an honor. Thanks for wanting to come on and talk about this very important topic as of right now. So let's just kind of jump into it. For the uh, Justinianic plague, kind of give us a brief overview of the cultural and political climate um, of the time. Yeah, so just some context before we begin. The, what we call today the Justinianic plague or the first plague pandemic starts off Around the mid fifth, mid sixth century, sorry, and continues all the way for over two centuries until the mid eighth century. We're talking about the Mediterranean world. This is a Mediterranean world that is about several decades after, or almost a century after, the split of the Roman Empire into a western half and an eastern half. Several decades earlier, before plague hits hits the scene, the western, what we call today, the Western Roman Empire. It kind of collapses and dissolves into a, a group of other kingdoms, usually called barbarian kingdoms. And the remnant of the, the, the old Roman Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire, which we also call the Byzantine Empire, it controls roughly the Eastern Mediterranean today. So Greece, Turkey, parts of the Middle East, so Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Egypt, parts of the Balkan, parts of Libya. So, so this is how we begin the century. Just before plague hits, so plague begins, plague hits the Byzantine Eastern Roman Empire in 541-542 CE. And just before that, the Emperor Justinian, he's the namesake of the plague, so the plague is called after him. So he begins this a process of trying to reconquer parts of the old Roman Empire. So he sends armies to what is current day Tunisia, to Sicily, to Italy. Some places he's more successful than others, but that's that's the, the reality or the background to the plague story. It's kind of bad timing, sinking all the money into the reconquest right when uh, right before the plague onset there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, but, but, I mean, surprisingly, I mean, yeah, it, it ended up working relatively well. So, I mean, he, he took over all three territories, even sends armies to Spain. I mean, although that was more of an opportunistic uh, move there, his conquests in Tunisia and Sicily and 
the Tunisian Sicily held for quite some time. Italy was somewhat less successful, and Spain kind of disappeared in, in a few decades after his death. What is the plague of Justinian? Can you kind of go into like what the like how it manifests and where uh, like where it comes from? So, what we call plague is caused by a bacterium named Yersinia pestis. The Justinianic plague, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, is the first of three plague pandemics. Uh, when we say plague pandemic, plague can manifest in different ways. So the stereotypical way in which plague manifests would be through buboes. Uh, these would be swellings uh, around the lymph nodes. So for example, your groin or your armpit, maybe your neck. So those areas would swell and, and a bubo, like a big swelling for a lack of a better term that's not bubo would appear there so that would be one and the most common or the most common symptom associated with the plague the most common symptom that is reported in the historical documents that we use but there are other types of plague as well there's pneumonic plague that is airborne and and you get it by breathing droplets of, of plague coughed up by someone else and there is septicemic plague that affects your bloodstream now in the, the second and third types of plague the symptoms are somewhat more difficult to identify Interesting. Where did the plague start and how did it spread across the entire empire? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Back then, back in late antiquity, so 6th century, people who, who wrote about plague tended to believe that plague came from Africa, so specifically Ethiopia. We're not entirely sure about that. We do know that our sources claim that plague entered the Mediterranean through Egypt. But then there's a question whether it came to Egypt through uh, from Ethiopia, so like uh, Central Africa, or whether it came to Egypt through the, the Indian Ocean trade from somewhere in Central Asia, specifically India, probably. There was a big debate about this, and to make a long story short, it was resolved using DNA tests that demonstrated that plague almost definitely came from Central Asia rather than Africa. And how it arrived was probably, again, through trade. Interesting. I had not heard that people were, had originally thought that it came from Ethiopia. That was super interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, our best source for the Justinianic plague is, is a historian called Procopius. He's a guy writing in 6th century Constantinople, a bureaucrat, essentially, a lawyer. And he is trying to write history in a classical way. So his model is Thucydides, the ancient Greek historian who's writing about a thousand years before him. And Thucydides, who wrote about the plague in Athens, which was not bubonic plague, it was just an epidemic in Athens. We're not entirely sure what type of disease it was. But he also mentioned that plague came from Ethiopia. And because Thucydides was so popular, other authors as well saw Ethiopia as the source of plagues. But that was more of a stereotype rather than anything based in reality. Interesting. I'm glad that you bring up Procopius. Like you said, he's one of the main sources responsible for what we call the Justinianic plague. Like you're familiar with other like modern pop culture history, um, like just YouTube videos in general. People kind of say that it was like a super deadly disease, but you guys actually don't think that's true. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. You guys did a study. What was, um, one, what was your findings? And two, what was the need for the study? Actually, it, it might be better if I kind of backtrack a bit and say how I got interested in this, because, I mean, this was not part of my studies at any point. Okay. But I, I just... So I started reading just a general general reading for general academic reading and I started encountering all these other scholars who st began pushing or not really began but 
started pushing pretty seriously about plague being a huge thing in the mid-6th century. Now, I studied the 6th century for other reasons, I mean, non-plague related, and it seemed to me unlikely that so many people died from plagues simply because it wasn't in the sources I read. So I knew Procopius, I knew other sources, but plague didn't feature as big as I thought it should if so many people died. And when I started seeing all these other claims about plague killing so many people, I started thinking, okay, maybe it killed, maybe it didn't, I need to check this out. So that's how the story began. And again, the, the way we proceeded, the article you were referring to is actually part of a much larger research project that looks at the Justinianic plague. And the way we did it is essentially to look at all the sources we could find. So all the, the historical primary sources, all the historical texts that were written that mentioned plague, these actually appear in catalogs. That's so that's saved some time. We also looked at the other other types of, of sources of information, places where we thought we might be able to find signals for plague if plague really had such a massive demographic effect as Again, other most scholars it seemed to believe. Good deal. And I read the papers, the study, I haven't pulled up, uh, Rejecting Catastrophe and... The Justinianic Plague and Inconsequential Pandemic. That's it, yeah. Yes, so, so the, those two are out. There's another article that looks at the historiography, so how people thought and wrote about plague, how modern scholars thought and wrote about plague over the past 20 years. And that actually continues someone else's article that did, did that until 2000. And we have a few other articles also at various, various levels of publication, stages of publication. Excited to read those. But now, one of the things that I thought was most interesting uh, reading the Virginia um, Catastrophe and Inconsequential was that one of the things you found was that the number of inscriptions would have changed during the time if there were as many people dying as uh, Copius has suggested, but they didn't change. Is that right? Yeah. We tried to figure out ancient demography. And anyone who's tried to do this immediately knows that there's no real way to, to, know, to, to learn or to guesstimate how, how many people actually lived in, let's say, the 6th century Roman Empire. So there's no way to say whether 20 million or 30 million or 40 million or 80 million people lived in this empire. So we kind of gave up on trying to find a, a, an absolute number. And one way in which we tried to solve this problem was, was to look at different proxies, different proxies for population levels. One of these was inscriptions. And what we assumed, or at least hypothesized, was that if, if half the population dies, we would see probably see less inscriptions because less people produce less inscriptions. They need less inscriptions. Or maybe we would see much more inscriptions because many of these inscriptions, let's say, might be on gravestones. And what we found when we put all these inscriptions, when we graphed them, so somebody put them on the same graph, we saw that there was no real change either way. Now, we are totally aware that there are arguments that explain why that might ha might happen, but if you see if you take all these different independent uh, data sets, whether it's inscriptions or papyri or, or coins or laws or pollen, so uh, airborne pollen, and you find not, no no change in any of them, our argument, our overall argument, said that it kind of casts 
a serious doubt on the argument that plague killed so many people empire wide yeah that was that was one of the cooler like parts of it that i took away i was like that's an interesting find uh that i just generally i wouldn't have thought of but it was like super interesting so in the following like centuries the plague kept coming back did they was there ever like a time where they took like precautions and kind of made like a like an empire-wide like a health program but they don't really have germ theory so was there any like sort of like a program like that that they installed so, so that's actually an interesting question as well because when you read these people these people who are writing about plague outbreaks or plague epidemics over about two centuries i think there's only one only one that comes to mind one person who talks about the same plague so what i'm trying to say is that after the first outbreak People who wrote about plague treated it as an independent outbreak. They didn't say, oh, the plague came back. They said, there was a plague. This is the, these are the symptoms. And it was kind of like a new thing every time. And again, with one exception of a person who says, yeah, this is like the fourth time plague hit here in 60 years. Interesting. And I, yeah, and the idea behind this is that they didn't think about plague or about diseases the same way you weren't supposed i mean the way to solve plague was not through what we would call today science and, and trying to treat it from a public health perspective it was more through supplications through religion i mean religious explanations were big and important so they didn't necessarily see it as like you know public health outcry they maybe saw it more of like a religious punishment at the time yes yeah. And again, that really depends on the ideology of the person writing. So some more religious people or more religiously oriented people would push that argument very strongly. So yes, plague is here. Plague is a punishment for our sins as a, as a society or, or man or humankind's sins. Whereas others, again, such as Procopius, for example, in his secret history, could use plague as a way to critique Justinian, the emperor at the same time. Do you see any relatability between the Justinianic plague and what we're going through now with uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus? Yeah, again, that, that, that's also a good question. I would say that it's, it's dangerous to make those inferences. And one of the reasons why we believe, why uh, my group's research, one of the things it shows is that the Justinianic plague was made into this massive pandemic that killed, again, half the population of the Roman Empire because people, as in scholars, modern historians, tended to kind of use the Black Death, the medieval Black Death, about 700 years, after, 700, 800 years afterwards, to kind of understand the Justinianic plague, make that, make that leap or jump between the Black Death and the Justinianic Plague, and it doesn't really work. And if you do that too strongly or too much, you end up with a story about the Justinianic Plague that does, it doesn't really fit the evidence. That, that's what we found. So that's a major danger that we should do before we approach any such comparison. But I think other than that, the, the panic, the terror uh, that the people feel, that people seem to feel around us now, or at least based on, on my experience, to, over the past couple of weeks. I think that's similar. I think the ways in which governments responded, there are similarities as well. Maybe in trying to mitigate whatever was going on. I would also add that the way people, I mean, the different ways in which people 
kind of make sense of the world around them and explain this very unusual thing that's happening. So we see that in the past, and we definitely see that the same thing today. Maybe not in the mainstream media, but if you look a bit online, you can find all these different theories about why plague is happening, and these theories are usually associated with the ideology and values of the people promoting them. So we see the same thing in the past. I mean, there are there are very di- very different ways to, to see this to see and understand the same event and learn from the same event. Beautiful. And I think what you just did there was you actually answered my, my last question as well um, with lessons we could learn. So you kind of bundled those two together. So I'm going to make a new question real quick as we wrap up the show. Unrelated to the Justinianic Plague or possibly related to the Justinianic Plague, what, if any, books are you reading um, right about now that you could recommend? Yeah, so um, I'm reading several books about plague and pandemics. Specifically, I'm reading a book about the outbreak narrative which is the, the, the type of story we, we tell ourselves when we encounter outbreaks of, of infectious, infectious diseases. And, and that's both in, in writing, but also a, in popular culture, such as film, TV series, The Walking Dead, for example. The book is called Contagious, and it's by Priscilla Ward. All right. Well, everyone have to go check that out. Uh, Lee Mordecai, thank you for coming on the show, sir. Yeah, thank you so much, Butler. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. You can find out more about Lee in the show notes below. We'll tag his papers and we'll tag him on Twitter so you guys can find his social media. Please let us know if you enjoyed the show in the comments below. Just leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, which will also be tagged in the show notes below. And like J. Cole said, history repeats itself and that's just how it goes.